When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. Fetish Fridays. <laughs> Every other Friday in the month, I post an episode about a specific fetish. And whenever I do, let me tell you, I get numerous emails afterwards uh, from people with the same fetish. So, you know, I know that there are so many people out there with different specific fetishes. So I, that's why I created Fetish Fridays. I'll probably eventually start doing them once a week. Right now, they're every other Friday. If you want to be a part of the show and talk about your fetish, you could always do that by sending me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com, or you could go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast, and click on be on the show, or you could just follow me on Instagram. On Instagram or Twitter, you could follow me at strictanonymous, and you could DM me in any of those places. Um, if you want to sign up for my Patreon, I have a couple tiers there that are dedicated to two specific fetishes, one being the pantyhose fetish and the other being the cross-dressing fetish. There are exclusive episodes there. I have so many people with those fetishes calling in that I tape extra episodes and post them there. Uh, you pay a little bit a month and you get a lot, you get all of that. And then all the stuff that my regular patrons get, which is like all of these episodes early and ad free, as well as anonymous confessions, as well as picks of most of my guests, anonymous picks of most of my guests. And what's most important is you get a community of like-minded people on my Patreon in those categories. So if you have either one of those fetishes and want to sign up for my Patreon, go to patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is in the description. Today I have on Frank. Now Frank has a foot fetish. Now if you would have asked me six years ago if I knew what a sleepy feet 
fantasy foot fetish thing was, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I have heard about this before, and it's fascinating. If you don't know what the sleepy feet fantasy thing is, you're going to find out now, and it is super interesting. I remember the first time, like I said, when I heard about it, I was like, what the fuck? And then it turns out that it is a common fantasy with a lot of guys that have a foot fetish, and he talks about why. I mean, it's he ties it into this whole, like, damsel in distress thing but before we get into that we talk about you know when he realized he had a foot fetish you know whose feet did he see early on and what was going down with them that made him realize like oh that stood out you know made him realize that he had this foot fetish of course it started when he was super young we talk about that we also talk about you know um his parents sort of getting wind of it and chastising him about it and him feeling bad about it. And what he started to do in his high school years, he had a lot of social issues, but he found like this whole world um, of at foot parties. Actually, he went to foot parties when he was in high school and that world, that place was very beneficial for him. Like that was the one place he could go and feel really super accepted uh and people treated him really nicely he wasn't dating girls like but he was going to these foot parties and this is where he was getting his attention from women being treated well um and that became his outlet you know for his sleepy feet fantasies he started doing custom paying for custom videos and custom things like because you know eventually he went to these places where you could even get your custom fantasies in real life he was also paying for videos, like I said. Um, at some point, he did start to see a therapist. And what his therapist did with her feet was pretty, I think, inappropriate and unprofessional. You're going to hear about that. Uh, you'll hear then about like all like the, the kind of crossover from like the foot fetish models that he was hanging out with and how they got him into BDSM and got him into going to dungeons. Apparently, there was like a big crossover between the women who were letting him you know, worship their feet. Uh, they were also being, they were also dominatrix. And so they led him over to the dungeon where he eventually wound up. He talks about that. He talks about, you know, um, how he became friends with some of the dominatrix and those relationships. And then also, you know, we talk a lot about his struggles. He's having now uh, finding a girl. He's been through depression. His, uh, Interest in sleepy feet fantasies and videos did take a toll on him because he got kind of addicted to commissioning these videos being made from him and spent a lot of fucking money on it. <laughs> but ultimately, because I think it was him avoiding having to go out there and really set up a life outside of his fantasy life and get in a real relationship with a girl. And he has that issue now. What he's really looking for is to wind up in a relationship with a girl that could accept his fetish and he could be who he is and have somebody accept him. And we talk a lot about that, why he has those blocks. Why hasn't he met somebody? Where does he go to look for people? And why is he only finding escorts where he's going? You're going to have to listen to find out. But it's a super interesting episode. If you have a foot fetish, you're going to totally be able to relate to him. Um, so I'm going to be right back on with Frank. Uh, hey Frank, welcome sure. to the Hey Frank, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous podcast. How are you? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm good. So you found my show because you're a foot fetish guy, and you emailed me right in perfect timing because I just started a Fetish Fridays thing where I'm doing an airing episodes that are have very specific fetishes to them, stories about you mm -hmm. know. 
uh, people's fetishes. Now, I had on a guy a long time ago that you found. He was like my first foot fetish guy, Tuna. Um, but I also had on a guy who was super interesting. Maybe it was like last year or a year before where he was like, it was a sleepy feet guy that you were like, oh, that really rang true to me and stuff. So, you know, I don't know. Like, let's talk about the fact that you have a foot fetish and why don't you explain it to me? Yeah, a matter of fact, I um, I listened to the one about the sleepy foot fetish. That was the very first podcast of yours that I listened to because yeah. I was just kind of looking around at stuff about, you know, um, you know, because I do that. I, I look at stuff. Oh, let me see what I can find about like sleepy foot fetish. Yeah. So I found that podcast. I found it actually several months ago, but I, I only listened to part of it, and then I just got back to it the other day. So then I started going back to the other podcast, so some of your older podcasts. You know, I try to find you know a lot of stuff that were uh, talking about foot fetish. Now, um, after that, I listened to the one with Tuna. Now, yeah. Tuna, especially he, I. That that big tuna is basically me growing up. I'm 37 now, mm-hmm. so I know exactly like how tuna's felt. I've been there before, and I know exactly how the, the um, I forget his name, but with the sleepy foot fetish, I, I uh, uh, Aaron, that's his name. Yeah, yeah, um, I yeah, I I basically um, you know resonated with him too. Um, for me, um, you know, most foot fetish guys will say, you know, will say that. Um, you know, their foot fetish started very young and I'm no different. However, um, I can remember having like my first foot fetish experiences and memories as early as four, possibly even three years old. Wow. So this goes way back for me. Mm-hmm. Most people it does. I feel like most people, it's mm-hmm. very rare. I think I spoke with someone recently who's like their fetish didn't really sort of click in and they weren't aware of it until much later. But most of the time when I'm talking to guys that have a pantyhose fetish or anything specific that you would consider a, a fetish, uh, they have these memories mm-hmm. very early on they feel like it was like and like something sparked it because I've had discussions like do you think that this is something that you know you were born with or it came up later but most people that have a fetish have described it to me where they feel like it was always in them and then something triggered it to sort of yeah. ignite right and then it grows but it wasn't like it, it wasn't there and it was put on you it was always there and then you have these early mm-hmm. memories of it being sparked and then it grows so what were those early memories let's like start back there it goes back um to my mom honestly my first memory was probably with my mom mm-hmm. uh we were very poor growing up so uh, we lived in a house uh, with my mom's uh, brother and sister, uh, rest in peace, both of them, and my grandma. Um, so, you know, we were poor. We shared the same bed um, in the back room. And um, I think I can remember seeing, you know, uh, you know, already liking her feet at that point. But the very first memory that really stuck out to me was I remember going to bed one, one night Um just like I always did, you know, same bed with my mom. And then when I woke up, however, I was under the blankets. And the very first thing that I saw was my mom's feet. She was laying on her back. Her feet were side by side. And, you know, they were just kind of like, like just in, in repose, like relaxed. Right. So I just remember just staring at that for, I don't even know how long, you know, I remember, you know, I can even remember like the, 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 the color of her polish that she was wearing that day. Um, I, um, you know, I, I would try to, I was trying to, to just like examine her feet from all angles. You know, I went 
like to looking at the tops of her feet, the sides of her feet, the bottoms of her feet, the soles. And, um, and I remember one of the things that stuck out to me was, um, the only thing I could see was her feet. You know, I was under the blanket and stuff, but the only thing I could see was her feet. So I could see like, the, I couldn't see like the rest of her uh, body. Cause everything was kind of like everything else was covered up with the blanket. Uh, so I do remember, I think trying to touch her feet and then that's when my mom woke up, you know, and then she just, I don't think she really thought anything of it. She's just kind of wondering how I got down there. You know, I was probably a very wild sleeper. I moved around a lot. So maybe that was just that, but that is probably my first truly concrete memory. However, shortly after that, my mother had a friend of hers. I think she went to school. I only saw this, this, this woman once. And my mom at this time was probably about 26, 27. Um, so, and I would have been about three or four years old, I think. So this, this, this young woman also shared the bed with us when she spent the night. Uh, she was a bigger woman. I remember um, Latina. My mom is, is uh, Latina too. She's from uh, Latin America. So uh, my mom used to have to wake up at two in the morning every day to go to work. She used to work for a, uh, at a catering truck. So she'd have to go and she'd work long hours. So oftentimes I would be, uh, you know, be, uh, my grandmother would take care of me. So it was very, uh, I got, I was used to waking up whenever she woke up and um, I wasn't used to like sleeping in a bed by myself. So most of the time I would get out of bed. I ended up, you know, probably, uh, you know, going to my grandma's bed or my aunt's bed. Um, I never actually did much anything with their feet, just like my mom's feet was the only one like in that household that I would generally like have access to. Um, and I'll get to that in a little bit, but with this, uh, woman, I don't even remember her name. I just remember what she looks like, but we both woke up. Um, we, she was tired. She wanted to try to get back to sleep, you know, but she was, you know, I guess me and her hit it off. So I just remember for whatever reason, it got in my head that I wanted to go, you know, like uh, touch her feet, go play with her feet. And, um, so I was doing that and my mom even walked in and kind of noticed it. And she just kind of like laughed, like, Hey, you know, leave her alone, let her sleep. Um, so <clears throat> I'm like, okay, okay. So, so I just, I, I didn't want to stop. So as like a compromise, like I went and actually just like covered her up with the blanket so that only her feet were sticking out, you know? And she kind of, uh, I remember she was asking me, Oh, what are you doing? Like, Oh, I don't know. I just kind of want to have the feet in front of me. And she fell asleep. And I think eventually my mom made me stop. Uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I don't remember how long that lasted, but Yo, that, there's, like there's your sleepy foot. There's your sleepy feet, you know, uh, wiring because of that woman. Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, as I get older, you know, I have, um, I have female cousins that are on my age. I have, my mom has three sisters. Um, so I don't think I really understood why I like feet. I just, I just knew I liked them. And I remember just always looking at, at, at you know, women's feet, girls' feet when I was growing up. Um, sometimes not even when they're just showing their feet, when they're wearing like sandals or something like that. But I would, you know, I would fantasize this, but I used to always especially fixate on, on women wearing boots. I used to love wearing, like, you know, seeing women wearing boots. And I kind of re- remember thinking like, what, what, what their feet possibly look like. Um, so 
I would find ways to, 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 to play with like the, the feet of my cousins. Um, I would, you know, play with the feet of my aunt sometimes. Um, and most of this took place when they were awake, you know, and they knew what I was doing. They, you know, they were probably doing something else. And when you're a little kid, you know, they just, they just let it, um, you know, just kind of let it happen. You know, they didn't think anything of it. But I think also maybe as an immigrant family, maybe they didn't understand like what this was. No, I also you know think I mean? that, I mean, how old were you at that time? I mean, starting from like four and then yeah, no, you don't think five, you don't you, listen. No matter what your kid does at that age, you're, it, there's no sexual connotation to it, so you don't think twice about mm-hmm. it. You know, everything's cute. I mean, I'm grabbing my son's ass all the time, like it's the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but there's like it's he's a little boy. Like you're not you, there's nothing sexual going on, so you would never think anything weird about anything, any kind of touching or anything that goes on because it's just. You don't look at it that way. You know, you weren't even looking at it that way. It was something, you know, you attached it later when you, you know, grew up to sexual stuff. But at that point, it wasn't even sexual for you. For some reason, you probably didn't even know why. You were just so interested in it. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com. Dot com and click on be on the show. If you have a short confession that you want to get off your back, call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579. That's 347-420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too. So you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. Yeah, I I didn't know, you know, I I do remember getting boners periodically, but I didn't know what they meant. Right, exactly. Uh, I I I would probably just get boners just for the sake of, you know, just for getting boners, and you know, they just happen. But uh, the older I got, you know, um, you know, once I start um, getting older and I'm still doing it, that's when my parents start kind of like, hey, you got to stop this. You're getting too old for this. Well, how did but they know? I would still. Well, they would just kind of like catch me because I'd be playing with my cousins, and you know, they they I'd walk in and I'm like playing with their feet. Sometimes I'd like pretend that they were. I'd want. To, I'd ask them to pretend to, to be asleep, right? <laughs> and then that I would like sneak in and like play with their feet. Yeah, that's a sleepy um, feet thing. Let me tell you, I had never heard yeah. about that situation until that guy, and it turns out that it is like a thing. It was very fascinating to me. It's, um, so. And not only that, but then I would sleep over at my cousin's houses um, and I would go, you know, in the middle of the night and, you know, try to like, you know, mess with their feet. And if I could, I would try to like cover them up so that just their feet were sticking out because I just love the visual of just having like the feet sticking out and all to myself for no reason. That was that's something that's always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember for, one we, we know the reason. I'm, it was because um, that lady that was sleeping at your house when you were little. You were hardwired for yeah. that visual. Visual. You wanted to get that back. Recreating. Yeah, exactly. You're recreating that yeah. scenario. Uh huh. I would, you know, I as growing up, I would relive 
you know, in my head, all the times I would have with like somebody's feet. My mom, I remember, had a friend that came over from El Salvador once, mm-hmm. and uh, she would let me massage her feet. I remember I have like vivid memories of that. She was cool with it, and then my mom walked in and kind of put a stop to that. <laughs> I think I was probably about eight. So yeah, my my parents eventually started um, really chastising me about it, um, making me feel ashamed about it. I remember they would like mock me for it sometimes as I got older. What would they say? Um, but, so I'm hearing an echo. So it's, it's a little weird. Uh, what would they? I'm hearing an echo on my end, but not anymore. What would they say? That that's not normal. You're not doing the. You know that's not what you, you know. You shouldn't be so fixated on feet like that. You know, feet are dirty. Feet are like this. Feet are that. Right. And um, they would just. They would just uh, make me feel kind of awful about it. I don't think they understood that I was feeling awful about it. But also the more that that I was, you know, that they were busting me for it, the more that I wanted to do it. So as I get older, we move into a new part of town. And then I have I have neighbors. Um, I have like girls that are my age that live across the street from me and girls up the street that lived up the street from me. And I also had uh, a little brother and sister, but they were so much younger than me uh, that these girls would like to come over and play with them because my brother and sister were cute babies at the time. I was this is I was already about like 10, 11 years old at this time. Yeah. And I would just try to find ways to see if I can like touch these girls feet, you know, playing little games. Um not necessarily like competitive games, but sometimes just like, you know, like just, just playing like imagination. So since I'm, I was the only guy and the older guy, you know, the older kid right there, I was often the guy, you know, the playing the bad guy playing, you know, whatever. So, you know, the big bad world for whatever. So I would, you know, I would come up with games like, Oh, I'm going to catch like all of you, you know, and, you know, chase everybody. And, I would like, you know, use like a blanket, like a net so I can like, you know, toss it over like somebody. And I would only do that to like the, 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 the girls, like the neighbor girls. And, um, and I remember one time, uh, we went over to, I was over at her house with my brother and sister and I, um, you know, I was, we were doing all that, you know, I was doing it in front of everybody too. Cause I think it's, part of me has always kind of wanted to like let people know about it but then i know that it's gonna really like fuck me up at the you know at the end but anyway i'm getting ahead of myself so i just remember very clearly um she had um she put her feet like around my face you know like coping my face and she just said something to the effect of oh you like my toes you love my toes don't you and i'm thinking to myself yeah yeah i do and I think it was probably shortly after that where I remember having my first wet dream, um, definitely related to feet. And that's kind of like, oh, crap, you know, feet make me do this. I'd already know I had, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles. So we had sex education. We had, you know, there were very old fashioned sex education. Everybody's from the every, yeah. yeah, everybody's from the 70s. So I already knew what, you know, uh, like the concept of like wet dreams, masturbation and stuff. So it was, you know it connected me like, Oh wow, this really arouses me. And then, yeah, anytime I would think about feed, anytime I think about some of my past experiences, I'd start getting hard. Um, and I just kept wanting it to like relive that. So now I was pretty brazen about it, you know? So my parents would just keep like catching me and stuff. And, um, I got sent to therapy. 
um, in part, mostly because of my, my dropping grades. But that was one thing I remember discussing when I did when my first therapist, uh, was about my foot fetish. The first time I'd ever really shared that with anybody. And it was so, you know, liberating for me. Um, and I think I even, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I even talked my therapist into letting me show her, her into letting me see her feet. And she showed you them. That's really inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you know No, I'm really serious. That's really Yeah. uh crossing a line for her. Mhm. I mean, here she is, she has a client that is talking to her about being turned on by feet and then he says, "Can I see your feet?" I know it doesn't go simple as that, but like and she shows you them. So basically, she's getting you hard in therapy. So, I mean, don't you think that that's inappropriate? It's kind of like, listen, I met a guy once that I wanted to get on my podcast and he was really into feet and uh, he kept asking me for feet pics and I'm like, I'm not going to send them to you. That's like no different than me sending you tits, pictures of my tits. Now, I know for a regular Mm -hmm. person, a picture of a foot means nothing. But to a guy that has a foot fetish, it's like I'm sending you a a pussy shot. You know, it's no different. So it Mm -hmm. is inappropriate. It is like, you know, so why would she show you her feet? I don't know. I think because I kind of, I, I, I remember just kind of like having to convince her and berating her about it. And she just kind of relented. That's really, inap- that's really inappropriate. I don't care what you said, what you did. I mean, I can't mm. tell you how many times people on my show have asked me to send them pics of me in a pantyhose or shit that they're into. Like, I just don't do that because I don't cross that line because it's professional. Like, yeah. something that's very weird that she did that. And then so when she took <laughs> Sorry to harp on this, but like when she took her shoes off and showed you her feet, like what happened then? She just showed me her foot real quick. You know, she's like just plain, ordinary, regular looking foot. And then she put her sock and shoe back on. And that was it. Um, That was it. Did she ask you, like, how did you feel? Like, did she use it as like to get data from you? Like for the... I mean, what she she sounds like a terrible therapist. Like, what what did she say after? I don't understand. After she, you know, because I I do I do remember asking her again, like at the next session, and she said no. Uh, she said no. Um, she said she didn't want to make me feel bad about liking feet, but you know, she had a lot of regret about that. You know, she explained to me what I did, what I shouldn't have done. Oh God! You know, Even now, we're getting worse. She's now she's like t- talking about how she feels bad. Ay, ay, ay. Therapist, yeah. I gotta tell you, you know, I believe in therapy so much, but and like anything else you know there's so many people that can't do their job properly and a very small amount that can do it great like whether you're getting your hair done or your taxes done or you're going to a therapist mm-hmm. like most of the people suck at their job <laughs> like 10% are good and therapists I have to say that you know so many of them are just like off their rocker like that's nutty for her to do especially to you she might have not mm-hmm. really you know had a grasp of what this fetish meant at all you know because if she did yeah. she would have never shown you her foot i don't think i don't know maybe i'm wrong i don't think she understood what foot fetish was because i had to like explain to her like you know because she never i never heard of anything like that you know right so she didn't really have a sense of it and then she shows your foot and then she feels bad about it so now she's not showing you her mm-hmm. feet okay let's move on sorry <laughs> yeah so uh I basically go through high school. Um, 
I wasn't much of a guy that was popular with girls. So I didn't have, um, I didn't get to have like any feet experiences almost all through high school, dry spell. So did you go like tuna to places and pay for girls? Is that where, cause that's the part I want to get to, right? So like, do you start, well, then, is yeah. that what you do? Cause that, he, that was his story too. You know, he was like you, he couldn't really get any action. Um, a lot of people, my listeners, hated Tuna because he stuttered and he couldn't really talk. I felt for him because he was a guy that had a lot of issues, like just socially and stuff. But he was like a mm-hmm. nice person. I felt bad for him. But I remember my listeners being very frustrated with him. But he had no game and he couldn't get girls. And so he eventually went to like these places where he paid girls to like give the manicures and stuff and you know play with their feet is that like let's get into that kind of stuff is is that what you eventually did since you okay. weren't able to hook up with girls yeah eventually i started doing that when i was about 21 uh-huh. this was in 2006 yeah. i went to what we call uh, i went to a foot party yeah uh, i don't know if you've ever heard of the foot no. party, but so a foot party was is where you know there's different models or you know, a lot of times dominatrixes or other just sometimes it's just uh, just regular old girls that are interested in making money by having guys, you know, do stuff with their feet. Everything is, the you know, nothing involving the penis at all at these foot parties. So pure worship. Uh, so there's a bunch of guys around. And I had fantasized about going to a foot party for a couple of years at that point already. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't have the money to go because I figured this has to be super expensive. So the more I started, you know, looking into it, I started seeing what the cover charge was, how much you typically charge for like their to do, um, you know, session with one of the one of the girls over there. So it would be twenty dollars for ten minutes, for instance, at a foot party. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ultimately convinced me to go was um, there were a couple models over there that I recognized from some of the foot fetish sites that I remember that I discovered when I was in high school. So that was my outlet in high school. I specifically discovered a site. That was literally called Barefoot Sleepy Girls. Like right there. Right. You know, I, it was just, it was everything that was like made, it was made for me. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of like photo sets that, that they would shoot, you know, where there'd be like uh, portrayals of like, uh, of like women, you know, you know, be falling asleep or getting like, you know, uh, you know, getting made unconscious and then like somebody would come in and usually it would be like another girl and come in and just, you know, like have his feet. And then there was also more like pornography and that involved too. So they would strip the, strip the women naked. Um, and I, you know, so this is around a time when I start discovering like other aspects of myself too. I've always liked uh, damsel in distress type stuff. Mm-hmm. I've always liked, um, I've always liked uh, the idea of, uh, uh, I fantasized about, you know, just having like girls under my control and stuff. But again, I just, I, I, I kept it fantasy. I always, I never wanted to, to actually do stuff like that in person. I never, after, you know, after I became an adult, I never, you know, actually tried to get to somebody like feet while they were actually asleep. You know, anything I did after that was always with consent, but I was young. I was probably the youngest guy going to that foot party. So I was a little bit popular because of that. And I was, it was a level of popularity, the level of attention that I'd never gotten before in my life. So it felt right. really good. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that makes the sense. Models over there, yeah, the models there made me feel really good about myself. The guy that was running the show made me feel really good about myself. Talking to these other dudes that have foot fetishes in person, not just on the internet. I'd mm-hmm. already been, you know, I'd already been on, on, on forums 
you know, before that about, yeah. you know, about my foot fetish, you know, and stuff like that. And mostly just to look at pictures, learn yeah, a little bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rarely, you know, start many conversations there, but I remember once, uh, after going to that foot party, I remember just kind of like going in detail about everything mm-hmm. and I couldn't wait to go to the next one a couple months later. Um, around the same time I, um, had also wanted to start, um, I, I, you know, I would put, I would consume, you know, foot fetish based uh, content for myself that I would buy. And especially the only stuff I would ever buy for myself was stuff that happened to do with sleepy feet, with the sleepy foot fetish, but nothing ever seemed to like really kind of match up with like what I wanted. Cause I also wanted that element of like just having the blanket and just seeing their feet. Um, so I found um, a store and it's, they're still around now. They're called, it's uh, the family of stores that they have is called Sweet Southern Feet. So it's like amateur models. The guy is based in Kentucky. So he just gets like, you know, I think it just started with the wife and some of the wife's friends. They're like, they were an older couple at that point in the 40s. And so they would get like, uh, they'd start getting like other other women and girls around their area to do foot fetish stuff. And uh, they offered customs. So you could actually... Uh, a custom would be where you could kind of write in and you know tell them like what you want to see in your own in your own clip, and they would make it for you for X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. I always like the prices. Tell me the prices. How much like was a custom video? So he would charge me at the time uh, for like thirty minutes. The, the first couple of videos, uh, thirty minutes for like sixty bucks, right? Mm-hmm. I I was able to afford that, so I was like, all right, cool. Then I wanted to go up, like, you know, make them a little bit longer for myself. Then, you know, then I was, uh, uh, you know, then it was like 40 minutes for 80 bucks. And then he had to raise his prices. Like, look, man, you know, I got to, like, charge you this from now on, you know, because uh, it's just, you know, I got, this is how I make, this is how I make a living. You know, this is part of, like, how I make, how we make our income. So we, we kind of had to, like, you know, we, we were kind of, like, losing money. So we had to um, raise right. prices. So that bit. was so the then, price range. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so ultimately it just kind of settled on to like $100 for like a 30-minute clip. Mm-hmm. Just like one girl, and usually it would just be like uh, either the guy himself uh, that would be there and he'd be the one that would be, um, you know, sucking on their toes and stuff, sucking on their feet. And it would, it would be different scenarios that I would kind of like come up with my head. So sometimes it would be like a babysitter fantasy because I never had a babysitter that wasn't family up until, you know, ever. I was all my mom never trusted like, you know, babysitters she just mm-hmm. if i was gonna if she needed somebody to take care of me she'll drop me off at my grandma's house and that was that um <clears throat> but i always wanted like a babysitter i always dreamt about having like a babysitter growing up so that was one i'd have you know uh or you're like um sometimes like you know maybe like like uh you're you're hanging out uh there was one where it was a. Uh, Look, you know, there was, he was hanging out like upstairs, and like uh, one of the uh, there was a party going on upstairs. Somebody walked up, she was drunk, and then she passed out in front of him on the bed, and then he like did his thing. Um, and I just come up with different scenarios, and I was just doing, you know, I was ordering customs like uh, every couple months uh, for a while, and I wasn't making that much money at this time either. I and I was working graveyard um, from almost my entire twenties. I worked graveyard. I had worked on weekends. And I worked overnight. I never got to go out. I never got to go out to like clubs or, or night or bars to like go out and mingle and drink. So because I always had to work, I just it would always try to pick up hours wherever I could. And I was working full time. I had dropped out of college about when I was 19. So, and I was living by myself. So, um, 
I remember at one of the foot parties I went to, this is probably my third one. And I was, uh, I was doing a session with the lady that I had, I'd been, you know, I'd met already a couple of times over there. And so we had really good chemistry and hit it off really well. And she broached the subject of doing a private session with me. And I didn't know what that was. So she explained to me, oh, so this would be just, you know, we would just kind of go on our own somewhere. Like you can come over to my house or I'll come over to your house. And for, you know, for like an hour, you know, you can do like whatever. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So I did, um, I did a full, you know, session with her. I drove down to her place. She lived about an hour and a half from me. Um, in LA traffic, you probably had like another half hour to that realistically, but <clears throat> yeah, I was able to kind of just do my fantasy with, the, with, you know, having her pretend to be asleep, covering her up with the blanket, having her feet smell. Um, and that just opened the door, the next door for me, you know, going forward. And I would try to session as much as I could at that point within my means. I would have to save up money to either go to foot parties or do sessions. Eventually I stopped going to the foot parties as much because they weren't as fulfilling for me to actually act out my whole, uh, like sleepy fantasy. Mm-hmm. And, um, so how did you, so how did you get into that? Like what, where did you, so the parties weren't fulfilling that. I mean, did you ever wind up in a relationship? Not really. Um, I never, I I didn't really, I wasn't ever in a relationship when I was in my twenties. I hooked up, but that was just it. I hooked up a couple times, but that was it. But in your whole in life? Are you a virgin? No, I'm not. Okay. Did you lose your virginity to an escort or like a girl? Like a hot, you know? Oh, it was just, it was normal. I was 19. I was at a party, a kickback. Oh, okay. So you've been no. with, you've hooked up with girls. You just never had a relationship. Pretty much. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have my own difficulty talking with girls, but every once in a while, you know, I do, you know, I do well for myself. I'm not, I just, I, I struggle with confidence and talking to a lot of girls and about the only place where I feel really confident about it is when I am, you know, in that world of like foot parties. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I was just a foot fetishist, but there was a lot of crossover that I discovered at the time with, you know, the bondage scenes. A lot of the women that would go to these foot parties were dominatrixes, local dominatrixes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was one that I really liked and, um, she with, she didn't even know what I was into, but I was, you know, in the middle of a session with her and she just kind of said, you know what? Hey, would you mind if I just pretended to be asleep right now? Well, like, yeah, yeah, of course. And that was dope. And I like, I, at this point, I'd already done private sessions. I, a, I, I kind of like made my mind up, like, you know, do you see like guys like, you know, away from the parties? Like, yeah, I, I work at I work at this dungeon, you know, this this uh, uh, commercial dungeon here in LA. You know, you want to come see me? You know, this is the this is where you can reach them. This is like what it's called. So I also started going to this dungeon and would start sessioning with, you know, uh, they have, you know, you have different levels of people that work there. So you have your doc, you have your mistresses, you have your you have your switches, and you have your submissives. Mm-hmm. So I would play with the switches because I uh, they had like this weird rule over there that you couldn't do foot fetish stuff with like a submissive because the way they deemed it of foot worship was a very submissive thing, and it's never been submissive for me. Uh, for me, it's always been, you know, I'm kind of generally more in control. I'm generally the one that kind of leads the scene. Well, especially um, in a sleepy foot scenario. I mean, there's nothing being submissive exactly. about that. That's, you know, right? That's not submissive. Yeah. 
pretty much. So I would go, you know, I would go in, you know, and I, I, I met up with this, uh, with her, uh, she was, I think she was working as a switch at the time. And then she got promoted to, 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 to mistress, to dominatrix. Uh, and I would go there several times a year to this dungeon. You could just call in, make an appointment. He was on a schedule and show up. Um, usually I would only just, uh, session with the women on their profiles if they actually have feet pictures. Not everyone had feet pictures. And I was still going to the foot parties at that time because it was also a good place for me to kind of meet people that I felt like I would vibe with that I could go through private sessions with. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I'm still ordering customs this whole time while I'm not really working, you know, a job that pays me a whole lot of money. So I'm constantly just you know, living paycheck to paycheck at this point and it's like your crack you know, cocaine. Mo- yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not, at that time in my twenties, I wasn't, you know, I didn't drink that much. Um, I didn't, I only smoked like weed once in a while. So I didn't really have like any other kind of addiction. That was my, that was my addiction. It was, you know, I was giving myself too much of a good thing. Um, but I've never regretted it really. I've never regretted, uh, you know, having those experiences, a lot of these women would let me take pictures or like, or, you know, back then for myself, if I'd ask them, you know, can I take pictures? I wanted to start taking pictures. Like, yeah, that's fine. Or something like, no, I'd rather not you take pictures. Like, okay. So there's one time though, I, um, I had one of these girls that we kind of hit it off really well. We had a private session once and she, after this one foot party, she came through to my, she came through to my apartment and then she just ended up like sticking in my apartment for like two weeks. And I just had carte blanche access to her feet. She was cool with it. Did she, she charge was, you or this was all uh, free? This was all free. Cause I ended up, at the, I didn't know this, but she had gotten kicked out of her house. Oh. So she was, <laughs> she was, I in figured a, there she had was to in be a, something she, in it for her. Oh, that's absolutely what it was. Yeah, she was living out of her car. And I remember telling her, like, look, why don't you just, you know, if you want to crash at my place, you know, it's cool. And especially, you know, until you get, like, back on your feet, you know, get to get a spot to live. And she ends up at my place for, like, a whole two weeks. Mm-hmm. At first, it was cool. We were like, oh, hell yeah, this is, you know, I got, like, feet whenever I want, you know. It was awesome, you know. I can, I could, I could come home from work. She'd still be asleep. And I can just, like, start, you know, like, messing with her feet whenever I wanted. But then she was just constantly like, you know, having me like take her places or, you know, like run, you know, like run errands with her. Cause she wasn't, you know, she didn't, her car didn't run. She just slept in the bucket. So I, you know, it, it just became clear to me that she was, you know, she was using me. Yeah. But, you know, so like after a week of like, you know, when is she going to leave? <laughs> um, you know, and then she would kind of come through here and there. Uh, after that, but you know, I could, I always got the sense that she was just kind of looking for, you know, she was just kind of a user, uh, like totally. a manipulator. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So eventually, I think I lost contact with her, and I'm still doing foot parties. I still have my rotation of like regular girls that I want to do foot parties, and I'm still going to the dungeon. But I know um, that you did say uh-huh. in your email besides like all mm-hmm. of this stuff that you do feel like you have some sort of spending issue and maybe you're not yeah. that happy in your life. Like what is, what are those two things that you threw in the email all about? Uh, I've always struggled with, uh, 
trying to you know get into a relationship uh, that's i've always wanted to, to, to have a girlfriend and have a relationship i've always wanted to like you know be open with my foot fetish with her and you know, share you know all of my all of my kinks and stuff i just i've always had just this tremendous anxiety when i try to approach girls out you know out in the wild as opposed to like in a in a in a fet, in a foot fetish transactional setting. Yeah, you should listen to a guy. Okay, this is another one I'm going to tell you to listen to. Even though it's not your kink or fetish, he ha- we spoke a lot about this exact thing. It was uh, I think it was Justin is into milfs and gilfs. Turned out and what mm-hmm. I analyzed when I heard his story, because he was he was just doing all this stuff with milfs and gilfs. Like it turned out like, you know, he would go to massage parlors and he would like fuck these ladies that were massaging him. And then he would and then he would pay for escorts. And this is all the interaction he had with women were in paid situations like that, you know, and to the point mm-hmm. where he thought he was so into milfs and gilfs. But it was kind of like this is what he was doing. And he really wanted a relationship exactly like you. And I was like, you know if you keep going over there, like you're doing that because it's safe and it's easy and you know, it's not uncomfortable for you. And, but all you're doing Mm -hmm. is avoiding like growing as a person and facing your fear, which is to actually go up to a girl that isn't a milf or a gilf that you're not paying and try to nail her and Mm -hmm. do what you're doing with these people over there. And, you know, and, and uh, I remember giving him the homework of like, stop going over to those people and stop like, having your cake over there so that you're kind of starving enough to the point where it pushes you to do which is the thing the thing that is most uncomfortable because what happens is if you are getting your rocks off over there you're not you know you're not uncomfortable enough or lonely enough to push put yourself in the position which is very difficult which is try to you know hit on regular girls. Do you know what I'm saying? Like one, like you have to get yourself to a point, like you have to hit bottom. You have, because what your fear is rejection and all that anxiety and you never, yeah. And you're not going to want to put yourself in those, that position because it's going to feel really bad. So it's easier to do the other. No. So it's easier to do the other thing, but the only, and, and so what I always say, and I'm trying to say it more succinct is that sometimes what you have to do, the cutting off of all this other stuff, why it would help is if you would get to the point where you're really lonely and really wanting this other thing, and that became so painful that the pain of facing your fear and being uncomfortable and uh, you know really showing someone who they are, that pain would be less than the other pain, then you would do it. But right now, it's a lot, it's just you're not in that position. So you're, you know, your subconscious going to be like, why do I want to go over there and face my fear when it's so fucking bad? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was one of those things that in my twenties, I was very cognizant of, and it just felt like I couldn't do anything about it. I, I suffer from really bad depression mm-hmm. and I, um, I probably didn't realize how bad my depression was in my twenties. And I would just convince myself, you know, that I, you know, that I was, I was fine. You know, I wasn't spending that much money. I wasn't, you know, doing that many sessions. I wasn't making, you know, I was making an adequate effort to actually go out and try to have like some bit of a social life, you know, try to make female friends and stuff. But it was just, you know, in hindsight, I can say this now because I'm 37 now, so I'm, I can think of this with a lot more clarity when I go back. But you don't think about this stuff when you're in your 20s. Totally, yeah. Guys, when they're in 20s, I kind of came to the realization, you know, after I turned 30, when you're in your 20s, when you're a young dude, 
you know, guys are supposed to fuck up. That's how we learn. We exactly. fuck up and yeah. we learn from that. You know, I was, I never got in trouble in my 20s. I never got arrested, never been arrested, got very few tickets, didn't, you know, didn't drink that much. Um, I mean, I'd get drunk and stuff, but I'd always make sure that, you know, if I was drinking, you know, I'd have a driver or I'd, I'd drink at home or I'd have a way to get back home safely. This is in the days before Uber. And so gradually, you know, I start discovering Backpage. Not so much Craigslist, but Backpage. That was my shit. Yeah. Uh, and I would find, that was like a new outlet for me. So now there's like, you know, I was able to kind of expand my rotation of like girls that I could go session with. And I, I pretty much at this point uh, was going to the foot parties very infrequently. Um, it was, I had actually, and I had actually had uh, developed a friendship with uh, this dominatrix that I met at one of the foot parties. Uh, we hit it off pretty good, and I asked her about, oh, do you do private sessions? Like, yeah. And so I went to go see her for a private session. It turns out that she lived, uh, like, around the corner from where my mom lived. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and I would see her, like, a lot, because she was right there in my neighborhood. I would see her a lot. And we kind of, we got cool with it. We got cool with each other. And she was very comfortable with me. She liked me a lot. I think I was what I was probably like her youngest client. But she always she would always tell me that you know you're really like really nice and sweet. And um, eventually it was um, eventually she 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 stopped charging me. Honestly, I would just kind of uh, she would ask me, oh hey, um, could you um, could you come over and like watch my dogs for the day and then you know give you like a free session? Yeah, sounds good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so she was, like, bartering with you, switching things. You were, like, a safe person, not a creep. So yeah, why it, not? It, it, yeah. It, yeah, it also helped that her, her animals liked me. Like, yeah. <laughs> so she trusted me with her animals. Yeah. And uh, she trusted me enough, too, where she had she had a husband, but her husband would travel a lot. So if she would ever have new clients that she would see at her house, she had like a little dungeon set up in her garage. There was a time when she asked me, you know, hey, would you mind sitting just in the back room? And I'll give you like 20 bucks to sit there for like an hour, you know, just like if anything happens, just come through and just, you know, like you make your presence known and stuff. Because I was, you know, I was kind of, a, you know, I'm a big oh, dude. I'm, oh, interesting. Um, right. So you you uh, guys, be, you, she started using you for different things, like in helping her, like she had a trust with you somehow. That's actually cool. And yeah, what's great for you is yeah. you got paid or you got footsies, <laughs> footsie things. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. Um but she and she introduced me more into the world of bondage i i remember sometimes hanging out with her and she would be taking calls and she would like talk to like a client you know oh so like what are you into like what do you want to do you know blah 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 so it's going to be this you know so you're going to come here at this time and then she'd hang up the phone and she'd just look at me like this dude's not going to show up he's a jerk off and he's a flake and he's not going to come through you know let's go get dinner (laughs) um she peeled the curtain back for me on the scene a lot because I got, you know, I just got to see her very like ordinary, stressful, you know, kind of neurotic life. You know, yeah, was that, did just, that ruin it for was, you a little bit? <laughs> I would think like sometimes no, you don't no. want to see the other side of things. No, 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 not at all. Actually, no, because I think it's because she was so like willing to share with me yeah. and I was willing to share with her about my stuff. So she would tell me like, you know, she would even like, to, hey, you know, if you want to see, like, you should go see, like, one of my friends, you know, she, uh, she'll give you, like, a discount because I put in a good word for you. Like, oh, sweet. But let's or, get like, back oh, to your depression friends. thing, okay? 
like seriously, because mm-hmm. we only have like 10 more minutes left. Um, you okay. know, what like where are you at now as far as like so you've done all this thing, you've been doing the same thing, you're now 37, you don't have a relationship, you would like one, you know, mm-hmm. you're still kind of depressed, not depressed, I don't know, but like wh- where are you at right now with everything, with your foot fetish, with wanting or not wanting a relationship? Yep. Well, first off, I um, I got a better once I got a better job about seven years ago. Then yeah. I just went nuts with doing foot sessions, and I spent <laughs> so much, and now I'm 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 in debt. You know? Right, that was the uh, spending thing. So that you know, let me tell you, that could be an addiction in itself. You know, having to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that could be the same kind of a thing. Yeah. Like everyone thinks that addiction is like, oh, it's an alcoholic is the only addiction. Alcohol, drugs, sex, religion, you know, any of those things is all the same. Everyone chooses different things. But being an addict is like at the core, always the same. But like the choice of what you use whatever you become addicted to is different. So it doesn't matter if someone mm-hmm. doesn't drink. It doesn't mean they're not an addict. It's, it, that's just an alcoholic. That's like a, that's what they chose to, you know, yeah. but you didn't choose that. You don't, you, alcohol wasn't your thing. You know, purchasing is your thing, buying too much stuff, you know, like that, that could be an addiction, no different than the alcoholic. It's just that yeah, you're choosing was, something else. It's the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was a constant impulse, you know. Yeah. I would and then you frequently feed into go it. on backstage. I would see like a girl whose feet that I liked and like snap decision. I'd go like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hit her up and, and set something up for like later that week. Eventually, it was getting to the point where I would just go to that dungeon and you could just show up to the dungeon sometimes and walk in. I would go to this dungeon sometimes and not even know like what this girl's feet looked like. And I would still go session with her because that was exciting to me. And right, but let my question to you, like I said, because I want to give you 10 minutes of some good therapy because I love no. addicts because I'm one and I've been a sober person for a very long time. Yeah. But like, you know, have you cut anything out? Are you doing better with that kind of stuff? Because really what you need to do at some point is focus more on your life outside of the dungeon, outside of, you know, the internet world, outside of Backpage and Mm -hmm. all those places of finding it and focus on your real life and what's in front of you to create a life, something, you know, you're 37, your sperm is going to be swimming for a long time. So you have time to get married, have kids, all those things are ahead of you. And if that's what you want, you got to start paying attention and doing things to go out and 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 get that life for yourself it's not going to come to your door you're going to have to go out and make it happen and tell yourself i'm ready for this and you have to and it's not a part listen your foot fetish is a foot fetish that's not an addiction that's your fetish and you will have to bring that up in your relationship and i think that'll be fine but like you know you have to make a decision that you want to go and do that. And I think that would help your depression uh, and stuff. But you have to face that. Are, are you starting to do that? Yeah, I'm in therapy right now. Um, I see a therapist regularly. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been seeing a therapist for the last couple of years. That's uh, great. I took some time off a couple of years ago for when my depression got really bad. But there, it was a lot of other issues that were stacking up on top of each other as well as you know, that, that craving for, for intimacy, for an intimate relationship. I felt really lonely. I felt so down on myself you know low self-esteem i couldn't i just couldn't even i couldn't find anything that i liked about myself for the longest time Mm -hmm. and i would you know i would uh and then 
work started getting really stressful for me. I work in a customer service field, so I, I just relentlessly began hating, you know, the people that would, you know, that would, that would call me. <laughs> I and, could imagine it would make you fucking hate people for yeah, sure. It yeah. was, oh my God. yeah. Um, so I had, I had this depressive break after a while after I got yeah. a demotion mm-hmm. from a position that I had that actually kind of insulated me a little bit from having to speak to too many patients, uh, or uh, customers, uh, I work in healthcare, so, um, <clears throat> I but get um, to it, but no, listen, uh, so you're seeing a therapist now, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully she hasn't shown you her feet. Do you discuss your foot fetish no, stuff I, with her? No, no, no. I, I mean, I have a, I have a male therapist, so he's kind of like a big brother figure. That's uh, great. Yeah. He, yeah. But I, you know, I'm able to share about this stuff. He doesn't understand it as well, but he gets it. You know, he says, you know, um, there's, you know, you're, you're, what you have is not so uncommon where you would feel like a freak. And I kind of, I, you know, I've come to terms with that too. It's just like getting, you know, getting to that point where I can actually get a girl to like, you know, just like start talking to me. It, it, it has been difficult for me. Yeah, that's, but that's the stuff that you need to like start doing because you've, you for 37 years or like for not 37, but like since the time when guys start going out and, you know, facing their fear of rejection yeah. and you know you've been avoiding it and you've been yeah. like kind of like a wuss right because like it's you don't want to you're not facing your fear and you have to you have to start yeah. taking steps to dating girls are you on apps are you yeah. out there dating um here and there i um i work from home mostly these days because of the pandemic and uh, I've gotten out there. Matter of fact, I, I think one of your callers had told you about FetLife. I think it was one of your BDSM yeah. guys. Yeah. So I, I have a FetLife account, and I've actually met some girls on FetLife, you know, to that. I, I There's one that I went out with, and we hooked up. And it was, you know, more than just fetish stuff. We actually kind of connected on a little bit level. The problem is that she lives really far from me, and her our schedules just wouldn't line up. So I haven't been able to see her as much as possible. We we kind of we had a connection. She liked hanging out with me. I liked hanging out with her. Uh, and you know, to my surprise, she was actually quite a bit younger than I was. You know, this was this was probably last year. So uh, she would have been about twenty five. I've never been with somebody as young as that before. I'd always try to get you know like try to like meet girls that were my age. But the older I've gotten, it's a, it's actually gotten a little bit easier for me. Um, because I get these girls are like in their mid to late twenties are starting to find me more attractive now. Uh, or they're, they're finding, you know, they're, uh, they, they, they're more open to me just in general, just like on principle. And, um, I feel like once they get to know me and once we start getting intimate, you know, at that point, I feel like I can excel because I feel, you know, when we're in that, like the intimate space and you're kissing, you're, you're cuddling, you're making out, you know, you're, you're fucking eventually. I feel like I do a good job. I feel like, you know, they, they enjoy my time. They enjoy me. Mm-hmm. And where does um, it go so wrong? Pardon? So where does it go wrong? Like, why doesn't it ever go more than that? Why haven't you ever had a relationship with any of these girls that, you know, this, you're intimate I with? Mean, it, it, yeah. And it goes into just, you know, because this this whole thing, the depression, the my depression has you know, has as much to do with like other facets of my life. No, I'm not asking you about that. I'm asking you a specific question, and you're avoiding it. 
What goes down okay. with all these girls that you say, mm-hmm. I've got younger girls nowadays, we get intimate and that's all fine. Like they like it. Everything's great. And then what? And then do you stop calling them? Do you get too nervous? Do you overthink things? Like why don't any of those situations turn into something more? We just lose contact. And sometimes I feel like they're, they, they do, um, you know, they'll, I'll try to call or try to get in touch with them and they don't respond back. And then that doesn't make me feel good. And I'll give up after a while. Yeah, well, of course, you're not going to stalk a girl that's not interested. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. The, yeah, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to blow up anybody's phone or the calls or texts. You know, right. so if I, if I text once, I'll probably leave it alone for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like a week, and then you know try to hit them up. You know, real quick. Uh, you know, try. You know, on holidays, they'll say, "Oh, you know, like Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, stuff like that." You know, and I wouldn't get responses. But, the, you know, I'd get responses uh, from, you know, some of the, a lot of the women that I befriended in, 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 the, in, the, in the bondage and the fetish community. Yeah. A lot of mm-hmm. them are still my very good friends. Well, maybe they could hook you up with one of their friends. <laughs> you never know. They might know somebody, yeah. you know, someone in that world. I mean, what do, does your future, like I'm wrapping it up in two minutes. What does your future look like for you? If you could just like, you know, I had a magic wand and you could have everything that you wanted. Like, what would you have? tomorrow if you could just have it all like what what does it look for you like for you like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be perfectly honest yeah um i i still want to have you know access to like several different kinds of feet because that excites me but i also just want to have a you know a relationship with the woman or somebody that understands that mm-hmm. and you know and fully understands that particular need of mine mm-hmm. you know and would move with it but I only ever really desire to just be intimate and have like intercourse with just like one, one person at a time. I have to kind of really feel a connection to that. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me to get aroused if I'm not like super, super, super intimate, like cuddling and stuff. You know, I, I, I can't have a hard time getting aroused if there's like separation between us when we're, when we're actually fucking, you know, so I have to like, I prefer to have her like, like right on me, you know, I like to like, to like hold her and hug her, kiss her, you know, blow on her neck and stuff, all that stuff. That's the stuff that excites me. So you're looking for, like, tomorrow you would have a a full-time relationship. It would be monogamous, but it would be with a girl who's open-minded enough to accept what you're into, and you would be able to still maybe see those other girls and get, like, your your foot fetish variety. Yeah, yeah. in a perfect world, she would be open to it. She would, you know, encourage it. I have to tell you that that's so you can find that. That's my whole point because I got to wrap yeah. it up. You can find that, you know, um, if that's what you're looking, what you're looking for. You know, you're looking for an open-minded girl that wants to have a monogamous relationship that understands your kink and allows you to go and have, you know, these little foot fetish experiences here and there. You know. And uh, that definitely could happen. I would not listen. I know that you're on FetLife and that's cool. I just think that the pool on there is a lot smaller because, you know, not a lot of people are on there, especially women. I think it's more men. And, you know, listen, there's probably a lot of people on there, but they're all spread out, you know, all over the world. You know, you're looking for somebody, Mm -hmm. your real relationship. They're going to live, you know, 10 minutes away from you. You should be on regular apps. It's not like that far of a stretch that you can't find a girl in the normal world that will be okay yeah, with your and, fetish and, that you could bring this up yeah and that's been frustrating for me too because when i try the apps and i'm on plenty of fish right now but 
when it seems like I'm engaging with somebody, you know, you know, send a message and start talking to you. And then all of a sudden they just want to sell me shit. They want to like, oh, you should go check out my, 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 my cam. Yeah. Well, I don't know what girls you're talking to or what you're looking at, but maybe you're just like picking I, up all the escorts that are on there. I mean, there's regular people. I, there's plenty. Listen to me. I got to wrap this up. You're, you know, yeah. there's plenty of regular girls on regular apps looking for regular guys to have regular re- monogamous relationships. That is the majority. Okay. Seriously. Mm-hmm. That's the majority. If every time you're like, you know, you, you throw the, the line out, you get a, a scam, then your picker is off. Okay. Or you're on the wrong site or you have the wrong profile. I don't know what it is. I can't get into it now because you know, we're at an hour, but you have to just like, you know, you know, look for the right kind of girl. I, I don't know why you're getting those scammer profiles, but on regular websites, there's real girls on there. Yeah, it frustrates me when I have like other friends and family that are able to meet girls on these same websites that I'm using, and I'm just getting like bots and scammers, and I just don't. Yeah, know but what I, it is. I, yeah, I don't know what it is either. What it says on your thing, I wish we like you know. I mean, I could do a whole episode on that for guys. It would probably be very beneficial. But I don't know what it is. But you need to look into that, and you need to see why am I doing that. Maybe there's a subconscious block in you that you don't necessarily feel really ready yet, and so. You know, because I always think most of the time, you know, what you really want is what you have in front of you, you know, Mm -hmm. so you have to keep. So I think you have to do everything in your power to really put it out there that you want a real relationship. I think you have to keep changing up your profiles until you stop hitting those bots. You start finding the real girls and you start going out with them. And it's a numbers game, so you're going to get rejected, and you're going to have people drop off. That's all normal stuff that normal people go through. Yeah. You know? But you could find I've, a normal yeah. girl. Yeah, I've gotten, I've kind of, I've come to, like, terms with the rejection. I used to have much more of a fear of rejection than I do now. Yeah, that's I good. I think a lot of it just kind of, not, you know, just that perspective with age, because I look at things a lot differently now that I'm older, uh, yeah. as opposed to when I was in the 20s, when everything just feels more raw, and everything feels more... You know, it hits. It cuts deeper. It's more personal. Yeah, yeah, and especially now that I've been in therapy and I've kind of developed these skills to, you know, or and you know, and I'm not saying I'm fully developed, but I've been working on these skills to 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 love myself more. To yes, you know, to be positive about myself and to have more confidence in myself. And I I I think it's been working. The progress has been slow, but I I feel you know. I just, I, the biggest thing right now is just why I want to get my, I need to get my impulse and my spending under control because. Yes, but that's, but you have to understand that that is, you know, but listen, you need to understand that that is taking you out of this regular life. That is a distraction so that you don't really have to get uncomfortable and go make real relationships Mm -hmm. for the first time in your life. Okay. I, you know, I think it's great that you're working on yourself. I think you're right on the fucking money when you say it's taken time, because I always try to tell people it's not the movies. You don't change overnight, but over time, over years, if you work on yourself, you could morph into a totally different person. And that's what life's about. And you're doing the right thing and you're still super young. And, and to me, as long as you're alive, like it's your job to be changing and growing and learning about yourself and, you know, always moving forward. 
tired and you are and right now to curb your spending and stuff it's like you just got to fucking cut it out and you have to stop doing it and every time you get in that mode you have to say okay like I have to focus back on my real life and maybe it's because you're not happy there but that's okay you have to sit through that unhappiness what addicts are are people that don't feel comfortable with like negative emotions and they're they have to get out of them mm-hmm. the minute they arise so stop running from your negative emotions no matter what they are start sitting through them and sitting in them realize they're just feelings and keep working on your life and working towards what you really want until you get it and you will get it because you are a nice guy a lot of girls are looking for a nice guy that wants a monogamous relationship because a lot of guys don't fucking want that okay so you could find somebody you just got to stop spending cut that off kick that fucking habit because it is an addiction and focus Mm -hmm. on uh, getting what you want and thank you so much for calling in and talking uh, you do remind me a little bit of tuna because you have both things not only his foot fetish um, but also his social uh, issues that he had right he had the like, same thing going on that's yeah. why you felt really in I, sync with him I, I, w- I wish I could have talked I wish I could talk to tuna because I talked to a lot of foot fetish guys on the internet and- I'm gonna find his email I'm gonna see if I could find his email and if I can I will email him and see, because he used to, it's funny when you said, oh, I email these girls like happy birthday or whatever. Like Tuna was one of those guests. Most guests, you know, they talk to me, they disappear, which is what's supposed to happen. But Tuna would like send me text messages like happy new year. Like he would do that kind of stuff all the time. And he always reached out to me for advice and stuff. And I always, like I said, I, I felt for him because he had such issues. Um, but so I, I know that I have a lot of emails from him. So I'm going to see if I could get in touch with him and see if I could put you in touch with him. Okay. Cause yeah. I think it's very helpful it was, to have somebody that you are, that is like-minded. Yeah. I mean, and I'd honestly love to like, you know, take more time to speak to you, like maybe, you know, in the future, cause I have so much more that I want to like express about my experiences and stuff, you know, and I want to just try to take, you know, as much positivity from it, you know, mm-hmm. cause it is a gig. It, it, it always has been something that's made me feel really good. And I just kind of want to apply like a lot of that like what makes me feel good about that to like the rest of my life because I feel you know there's a lot of other things where I just feel miserable about but you know I I don't typically do part twos unless like it's at the end of the year anymore because I just have a million episodes a million people that want to call into my show and I don't have enough fucking time to air them all I have people I taped last year you know I'm I taped I'm taping three episodes today and I already have the 30 that Mm -hmm. are already taped you know so you know, I tape someone once and you don't, I don't know when I'm going to air this, but I won't need another one like this for a while because I don't like to, you know, it's fetish Fridays are going to be foot fetishes all the time, you know? So I do offer consulting. They're like kind of like therapy sessions on the side. If you want to do that, it's fine. If not, we'll talk at the end of the year and we'll do an update story. Talk to me when you've like had a date and you're starting a relationship. That would be a great update story. For sure. Okay. And I'm going to look for Tuna's information and try to put you in touch. All right. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story. It'll be on Fetish Fridays. I don't know how soon I'm going to do them all the time, but right now it's like once or twice a month. But don't worry. It'll air. Thanks so much for calling in. I, I, I appreciate your time. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube 
as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.